0: It's time for Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top line growth and bottom line performance. Brought to you by Rikus Baird. And now here's your host. Welcome to Branding Business with Rikus Baird. I'm Ryan Rikus, and today's show topic is focused on visual branding. Today's guest is Laura Reese. Laura is a leading brand strategist, best-selling author, sought-after speaker, and frequent branded analyst on many TV news programs. She's president of Reese & Reese, based in Atlanta, Georgia. And over the last 18 years, she has partnered with her father, Al Reese, the legendary positioning pioneer whose book, Positioning, The Battle of Your Mind, continues to be one of the top marketing books ever written. Today, Reese & Reese consults with many Fortune 500 companies on brand strategy, Laura and Al have written five books, including The 22 Immutable Laws of Branding, the Fall of Advertising, Rise of PR, War in the Boardroom, and now in 2012, Laura's releasing her first solo book, Visual Hammer. Laura, welcome to Branding Business.
1: Well, thanks. It's great to be here.
0: Well, I thought we'd just begin with um, a little bit of an overview. First off, thanks for forwarding your advance copy of the, uh, the new book, Visual Hammer. Certainly like to focus our time together on that, but maybe you can give our listeners some background on Reese and Reese.
1: Sure. Well, you know, as you mentioned in that that great intro, Reese and Reese is a partnership of Al Reese. The uh, legendary positioning pioneer and myself, and you know, having Al Reese as my dad has is, is been such a pleasure and, and learned so much from him over the decades. Um, you know, shortly after college and a brief stint at an ad agency in Manhattan, Um, you know, I got to, you know, really live a lifelong dream and work with him, learn from him, and it's been, you know, 18, Lovely years, and it just keeps getting better. Uh, we continue to, to work together every day and doing consulting projects around the world. We do speeches and all-day seminars around the world. I'm going to Bangladesh in a few weeks, and we go to China and India and South America and everywhere in between. So it's, it's really it's, it's very exciting, and it's doing what I love to do, and that's helping companies build better brands.
0: Well, it sounds like a perfect scenario for your father as well as yourself. I I have a daughter studying communications at USC. Any advice on a family or generational business for other <laughs> listeners out there?
1: Well, it's, it's funny because that is one of the favorite questions that gets asked of my father is, how did you get your daughter to work with you? Um, and, you know, that, that's always, you know, how did you, get, how did you get her to do it and how is it, you know, working so well for you? It's a, it's a challenging thing. But, you know, obviously I think the first advice he always says is you don't pressure your kid into doing it. I was never, you know, told I, I must do it or I should study it. I, I always loved it. Uh, I loved watching him and hearing him. So I think, you know, making it exciting, uh, making it interesting. And then the child obviously just has to have an inner drive to want to do it. I, I always loved advertising from, from a young child. I was making jingles and writing ads and, uh, you know, using pencils and copy machines. And I just always enjoyed it. So it was kind of a natural for me. And you just have to kind of go with the flow and have, you know, a, an open, uh, you know, dialogue and friendship and communication that, that makes it work in the long run.
0: Well, it's great to follow your passion. So Absolutely. A, a question for you, of all the books that, um, that you guys have written, do you have a favorite bit of advice for corporate America? It's, it seems that the same mistake over and over. What What do you see out there?
1: Well, I think, you know, really the, the one word that, that kind of puts together all of our philosophies and all of the books that we've written and as the title of one of those books is Focus. Uh, what What companies, you know, get in trouble for is for not, you know, having a focus, for for unfocusing, getting into businesses they shouldn't. Um, you know, expanding their brand when they when they shouldn't. The way to build a brand is by by narrowing the focus, owning a, a word in the mind. Uh, That was the the essence of of positioning, Um, and, of course, all the immutable laws talk about that, Um, you know, fall of advertising and origin of brands, how you, you know, build a a new brand by being first in a new category, all of these things, the the key element to to, to remember and keep in mind and, you know, to make sure you, you think about every day is, you know, how do I keep my focus? Uh, Is this unfocusing? You know, do I need to straighten up my brand? And that's really an important important thing that that everyone needs to keep in mind.
0: Well, I couldn't agree more with you, and uh, I think our, our industry, or, or rather, marketing firms, are famous for not following the same advice they give to our, their clients. Well, so... that's
1: that's very true. It's, <laughs> it's it's do as I say, not as I do. Uh, you know, we talked a lot. And in, in, interesting enough, in the fall of advertising book, I mean, when's the last time you saw an advertising agency run an ad for themselves? <laughs> they never take their own advice and use advertising. What they what they use is PR, right? Because uh, PR is a very powerful way to to get your brand in the mind and uh, you know establish your credibility. But for marketing experts as well, I mean, look at you know some of their brands are in in, in terrible shape and they they're they're unfocused in what they do and the. The services they offer, and and we did try to, you know, take our own advice, and, you know, it it was through experience as well. An interesting story is, you know, my my dad out, he ran an ad agency for over 30 years, Uh, and it was, you know, after this uh, the popularity and the success of the positioning articles in the early 70s that that led into a book that they really also became quite famous for for doing strategy people wanted you know strategy from them and of course they offered that so they were both an advertising agency and a strategy business as well as giving speeches and you know they're trying to do two things that were were very different and, uh, you know, he's someone in the audience at a speech once said, hey, why don't you follow your own advice, Al? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he laughed and he said, you know what, that's, that's a good idea. I should. And, you know, he took two years to shut down the advertising agency, you know, told the employees we're going to shut it down and the clients. And, you know, through that process became solely... Uh, a consultant giving advice on on marketing and branding strategy. And and that has been a very, very good uh, lesson learned, if you will. And and today we continue that even further by, you know, just focusing on one type of service. And we do a one-day strategy session with clients where we help, you know, build and talk about their their marketing and their branding and and kind of build a, a marketing plan, if you will helping to work out all the issues on uh, uh, along with the verbals and the visuals and the, the positioning and, and all the things that go into a, mar- a good marketing plan.
0: Well it sounds like you've uh, definitely listened to your own prescription and, and have a very very clear focus.
1: Well, and it's not easy I mean that, I mean that, that, that's what is you know you do learn is that it, it is not easy to stay focused. Um, And, you know, it doesn't mean that everything you do has to come under that, but, you know, the bulk of it certainly does, and that's what you want to talk about and promote, and that's an important thing to do. A a shoe shoe store might sell shoelaces, but they don't promote that. (laughs) You know, they talk about the Mm -hmm. shoes, and that's what gets people in the door.
0: Well, like you, Rika Spirit helps companies uh, focus and, and define their brand and their position and then then bring the brand to life internally and externally. And, and yet, I'm amazed by how many corporate executives are not able to provide to us a very clear vision of where they want to take their company. And, yeah. and that's probably because of a, a lack of focus. So we typically, at the conclusion of our process, also help them develop their core statements and, and develop that clear vision for the future. Maybe you can... Share with us uh, and our listeners your viewpoint on the importance of defining this clear vision.
1: Well, yeah, and that and that's truly as, as well what our consulting sessions are, are are meant to do. And it's you know so often that you get into you know a meeting with company and and like you say they're unsure of what they're doing and where they want to go, and everyone's got a, a, a different idea of you know how how to verbalize the strategy and and how to what to say their focus is and what their focus should be for tomorrow. Um, one of the, the most important things in in running a business and, and strengthening a brand is first and foremost, internally, people have to understand what that focus is, and they all need to be speaking the same language and, and going in the same direction. Uh, and that's why you know I think consultants and uh, marketing agencies can be very helpful to clients um, in, in giving them that perspective and really making them step back and, and, and take a hard look and make the hard decisions. Uh, of which way you're going to go, because muddling along is is not a good way, not a good strategy, and and the better strategy is to to, to define the focus, um, you know, and get everything aligned behind that focus.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I guess the uh, advantage of an objective outside point of view is allowing, you know, executives to see it through a different lens, and that's our job, I guess, is to bring forth that new perspective.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, you know, they've got a lot of, you know, internal people and internal ideas. And, you know, we always say it's it's our clients aren't don't need ideas from us. I mean, they've got plenty of ideas. They just need someone to sift through them, look at them, and decide which is the best idea.
0: <laughs> uh, and,
1: you know, which is the best idea from a marketing standpoint of not just internally with the company but looking at competitors and other things um, and, and helping them as well. to to really believe in it. Part of our job is not just finding the solution, but selling them and getting them excited about that solution so that they can move forward with, you know, full steam ahead. And I think that's really important. As well as you know, I, like you mentioned, you know the outsider's per- perspective of, of someone who's not living and breathing this, you know, every day. It is helpful to have you know someone else with a fresh set of eyes, kind of look at the situation and give the, their reaction to it. You know, and, and in our lens, is, of course, as a marketing branding strategist and branding strategists and experts, um, you know, we work with a wide variety of industries. You know, our, our ideas are, are about the brand aspect, not necessarily about you know exactly that industry. Um, which is also helpful and gives a, a different perspective to things.
0: Well, it sounds like we share a very similar philosophy. <laughs> let's, uh, let's focus on your new book, Visual Hammer. I uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, I think corporate America is very aware that they must develop their own unique positioning to stand apart from the competition, and, and they're ones that do it better than others, and ones that, do, uh, as you said, have even the ability to own one word. Uh, yep. I think the challenge for many companies is they fall short when they they just rely on that uh, verbal positioning and they they don't take it to the next level and adding what you would call the visual hammer. Maybe you can. Can I give us an overview of your Yeah, absolutely. Your view on well, this?
1: well like you said, I mean, you know, obviously positioning was revolutionary at its time, but but today it's it's very widely accepted and almost every company has what they call a positioning statement. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't really take the 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 real idea to the heart because it's usually, you know, we want to be a big company with in lots of different industries making great products at at, at, at good value. And that, that wasn't the essence of positioning, which was to own a to occupy a hole in the mind and to, to with your your brand and your word to, to occupy that position in the mind. It was very much about looking inside the mind. And it is very important. I think companies in general have a you know a very good understanding of, of consumers and, and words um and, and they're obsessed with words as a matter of fact. You know, you talk about, you know, taglines and, and headlines on ads and, and it's words, words, words. I mean today we're awash in words from, you know, all the Stuff on the internet to tweets and status updates, everything is happening at words, and there's there's more words than a, anyone could ever imagine out there today. And so, you know, a total verbal strategy is is going to be very very difficult. Um, to to get attention from the consumer. It's just very, very difficult, and they all sound the same, and lots of them are generalized. Um, And no matter even if it's a great one, you know, the ultimate driving machine for BMW, which is one of, you know, the the best, what we say, verbal nails to get in the mind ever, but it wasn't enough just to have the words. What we realized, um, you know, was was equally as important, um, and today, Maybe even more important was the visual that went along with it. It was the visual that brought to life that idea. It's also a visual that has the unique ability to strike emotion in someone. You know, you don't, you see a person reading a book and you know, they just read the book. Whereas you take that same story and you put it in a movie, well, my goodness, people cry their eyes out in a movie. Is seeing it brings more emotion to to the forefront. And so visuals bring emotion that, that words never can. So having a visual that drives in your verbal message is really the, the key to success in, in today's environment for example, I mentioned BMW. What was the visual hammer for them? Well, the visual hammer was, you know, the driving commercials that they so beautifully have done for decades, you know, on long winding roads showing the drivability of the car. And that really connected with consumers and, and got them excited about the ultimate driving machine. Of course, one of the the most classic and iconic visual hammers ever is the the Coca-Cola contour bottle. I mean, that bottle delivers the verbal idea, the real thing. It's not just about saying it. And you see Coke today using that bottle image everywhere. The funny thing is, is they don't sell a lot of Coke in those bottles anymore, but they have wisely used that image on cans and cups and billboards and the website and everywhere else, and, and that really hammers in and connects emotionally with consumers to get them excited about your brand. So you have to think about, you know, what is your brand, what is the category, what is your verbal, and, you know, importantly, what is the visual. Sometimes you have to sacrifice as well what the verbal is so that you can have a better visual and that's incredibly important. You have to think of all these together. And, you know, as, as I've talked, I mean, this is, you know, what our work with clients is involving in is to, is to what the name is, what the category, what the verbal nail, and, of course, importantly, the visual hammer is.
0: Well, Lori, you, you mentioned um, the importance of the... Uh... The verbal brand, and you use the term visual. I mean, verbal nail. Yeah. And then you have the verbal nail and the visual hammer. Which comes first, the nail or the hammer?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it depends. It's 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 somewhat in conjunction. Um, you know, certainly you have to think about what the nail is, but the best nail has got to lend itself to a visual. So you might think about it, but you might throw away that, a nail if there is no good visual to go along with it. Uh, so that that's always the, the, the tricky thing. I mean, you know, one of Budweiser's strategies was drinkability. Well, you know, as an idea, I mean, that's why people drink Bud Light, right, because you can drink more of it. It's, it doesn't have a lot of taste, but there's no visual that goes along with that. You know, drinkability is a nail it falls flat because there is no visual that goes along with it. Of course, you know Budweiser has the the the, the beautiful um, Clydesdale and beer wagon that that drives in the authenticity of that brand. Or you have as well you have visuals that might be interesting, but they don't drive any you know verbal nail. Um, and you know we're coming about on the Super Bowl. One of the most famous Super Bowl ads ever was the Budweiser frogs that said Budweiser, you know, ha ha, very funny, but what is the real message that you know? Frogs can say Budweiser. You know that doesn't really drive in any powerful brand message. It's just replaying the name, and and that's really you don't want to. It's not a it's not a hammer unless it's driving in a message. You know, just just standing for the name isn't good enough.
0: Couldn't agree with more with you. It, it seems that some people, you know have a still fuzzy understanding definition of branding. And often we hear, well, that that means your logo. And and certainly the logo can be a component of your visual hammer. But as you point out in your book, uh, color, shape, Package products, or even the founder could be the visual hammer. Maybe you can give us some examples of different applications there.
1: Well, yeah, no, absolutely, you're right. I mean, there is, you know, as soon as you you say visual, it it comes down to you know the logo. Well, and and you're right. Sometimes it is the logo. Uh, for Mercedes Benz, that beautiful Tristar is absolutely the visual hammer. But there's lots of things. I mean, there are shapes that are can be used as visual hammers. The Red Cross has a has a cross. I mean, some of the most iconic uh, visual hammers ever i mean think of the the major religions all have a visual hammer whether it's the you know the cross or the star of david or you know the the hammer and sickle um i mean it's the star and crescent excuse me um for for the for the religions those are all very powerful hammers um, you know color can be very very effective you think of you know one of the most successful nonprofits in the world um, is the Susan G Coleman you know Cure and and of course you know breast cancer and the pink ribbon are just in you know are just connected as as close as they can be and that that simple color and pink ribbon i mean has made one of the most successful nonprofits it's it's, it's absolutely unbelievable um, how powerful and effective that was um, over all others as well the the actual product can be the hammer. You think of the 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 watch band of a Rolex sets that brand apart and, and makes what 's the visual hammer or the the grill of a, a rolls Royce or you know the the quirkiness of, of of a prius i mean all these things are are very effective visual hammers or the the holes in the croc shoe, for example. Um, in packaging today is is a great use of visual hammers. You th- see things like the the unique and different packaging of, of vitamin water that makes it look like a medicine bottle, or the Palm Wonderful bottle that are, are just so you know, strikingly unique. Again, it, it's visual hammer it needs to get attention, needs to get noticed, and as well it needs to pack um, and, and effectively strike whatever that verbal nail is into the mind. Um, You have the the straw and the orange, for example, for Tropicana. They they try to take that off the package, and there was a total uproar because it was so iconic to the brand and, and so emotional with consumers that they just got so excited. And, of course, you know, like you said, the founders is, is, is many times an effective visual hammer. You have KFC and, and, you know, Colonel Sanders or Papa John's for Papa John's Pizza, Orville Redenbacher. I mean, even, you know, amazingly, after a founder has passed, you can use their image. Um, you know, Orville Redenbacher, obviously, as well as Newman's Own, those lines. And, and, you know, I've got, you know, just a ton of examples, you know, in the in the forthcoming book. And I think it just gives you a broad sense of, of, wow, how powerful, you know, visual hammers are. And so, you know, how important they are to really the success of so many of the brands we know. I mean, where would ASLAC be without the duck? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? I mean, and, and, and not just the duck. I mean, the, the duck was, you know, hammering in that name that was, you know, hard to remember and, and a new type of insurance um, but but Aflac Duck um unbelievably effective in and taking that brand from from nearly no recognition to to over 90 rec- 90% recognition it's just absolutely unbelievable you know of course the the traditional and, and many times you know is is the use of a celebrity as your, as your hammer. Many brands, you know, use Tiger Woods, <laughs> which, uh, you know, has its its pros and its cons. Uh, celebrities are very well known, but, you know, they cost a lot of money and, and many times they get in trouble. But man, if you find the right celebrity, uh, if you're old enough to remember, you know, Bill Cosby, the great Bill Cosby and, and his endorsements of many brands, including Jell-O, uh, was just a, a wonderful thing that, that built those brands or, you know, There was the uh, 15-year-old Brooke Shields and Calvin Klein, for example. Um, You know, just hiring someone for a one-off, and and we'll talk Super Bowl again, you know, Betty White did that Snickers commercial, which got a lot of laughs and a lot of attention, but wasn't a hammer, because, you know, what what was she really delivering? What was the verbal message there? And I don't think the connection to to Betty White was strong enough, and that didn't make for a very good visual hammer.
0: Well, it seems that one of the most important components to really establishing this visual hammer is consistency and and i i would guess to say that the reason that organizations don't utilize as much consistency as they possibly could is that they either get tired of it internally or their ad agency gets tired of it and they're always looking for something new but if in my mind if they they land upon a visual hammer that is powerful. That they should stay with it and find new ways to keep it energized and relevant, and also useful across all touch points. So oh, absolutely, uh, all types I think you know, a medium. So it's, yeah, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, we talked to in the beginning about you know how important focus was for a company. I think you know right after that is consistency, uh, and what you know gets many t- Companies in trouble is a lack of consistency, and, and there's there's lots of reasons for it. I think you know, certainly you know the turnover when you get a, a new head of the company or head of marketing. You know they want to make their mark, and so they want to change things up, and they they hire a new ad agency and get a new strategy, and and you know tinker with uh, with all sorts of stuff, uh, and that's problematic. And, and like you said, you get tired of it internally, and sometimes you want you change things. Um, but but absolutely radical change, um, you know, constantly changing your 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 logo or your tagline or your advertising or your visuals is is a really the worst thing you can do. I mean, you want to think in terms of consistency, you know, not even just over years but over decades. Um, you know, certainly, you know, small things need to to be updated and, and made current and modern. But but the overall, once you've got it, once you've got the the right, you know, verbal nail and the right visual hammer, you know, that's what you want to stick to. I mean, look at the consistency of things like you know the Marlboro Cowboy, uh, that is you know built that that brand into the world's you know number one cigarette. I mean, unbelievable consistency with, with that image and that message. Um, you know, smoking is a horrible thing, but, you know, in terms of a lesson about branding, uh, a lot can be learned of, of of how effective consistency is. BMW, for example, with the Ultimate Driving Machine, they they did get, you know, like so many companies, they tried Joy <laughs> uh, and, and some other things, but, you know, recently have, you know, talked about you know going back to the ultimate driving machine i think that's exactly the right move um but but sure absolutely i think you know from the the highest levels of company I, companies i think they they need to demand consistency from their people and say it's okay if <laughs> if you you know you don't show it, it's your annual review all the changes you made and and all the things that you did um you know you want to say that you, you were able to keep things consistent uh keep them fresh uh but keep them Consistently hitting the, the consumer over the head with your your beautiful visual hammer and verbal nail.
0: Yeah, another example that you used in your in your book was Volvo. They uh you know they owned the word safety for so many years and they, they led European imports in terms of sales in the U.S. Yeah. for so many years and mm-hmm. then they they got away from that, brought in a new CEO and they changed their tagline to Volvo for Life and it was more about uh, introducing convertibles and all kinds yeah. of vehicles and now their sales continue to decline so oh, it's, it's, it's
1: really example. one of you know such a tragedy of a brand that was so powerful so strong um you know so clearly connected to one word and yeah like you said new new management came in and and the quote they said safety is not enough safety is not enough safety is what built the brand uh and and listen if it if it's not for safety, they don't want a volvo i mean and and the recent sales have proved it. They've tried you know smaller, sportier ones and cheaper ones and you know convertible Volvos. they can't sell those. The only thing they can sell are you know the the safe models you know like the the family s u v and and those tend to sell well because there still is a feeling that Volvo is safer, but that is going away. You know, every year people are forgetting more and more that, that, that Volvo ever had a connection to safety. Uh, and No longer do they have a credible connection to safety. And it's really just a, just a horrific tragedy of, uh, of a waste of such a powerful brand by, you know, neglect um, of, of not staying true to a focus and not being consistent with their messaging.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, there's just a lot of turnover in leadership these days in organizations. So one of the questions I always like to ask my guests is, who in the organization is responsible for the brand? Is it the CEO, the marketing exec, or the executive team?
1: Well, I think it, it absolutely starts at the top. I think that the CEO has to understand the importance of the brand. Um, they have to value, um, you know, the advice that their 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 top branding and marketing people give them, and you know, think about all the decisions that they make and how they might affect the brand. Uh, because it's incredibly important. And you see today, you know, really those companies that are doing overwhelmingly great have that sense of of marketing at the very top. I mean, Apple is a wonderful example. Steve Jobs was a very rare CEO that, that, you know, understood, you know, marketing and branding like no other. Um, And so, you know, it it absolutely, you you run a company by the numbers alone, and you're going to run it into the ground. Uh, You need to understand the numbers but you also need to understand the brand and and you know we wrote the book war in the boardroom to try to you know we've had a lot of meetings where you know you know management types just didn't understand and value marketing and branding and it would get them into trouble and they didn't want to listen and they thought marketing was common sense when you know we as marketers know nothing could be further from the truth um, that things that sound logical just don 't work in marketing. I mean it sounds logical that you expand the brand into more things and put your name on more you know more products and the more powerful and successful you 'll be, and the more you 'll sell and That doesn't work. The more you put your name on, you dilute your brand, you weaken it, and you tend to sell less in the long term. And so that's a very dangerous thing to take on unless you think about the branding um, implications for it. So, you know, we wrote this book going over a lot of those types of scenarios to to really explain, um, you know, both sides, um, how management sees it and how marketing sees it and how we can, you know, both understand each other and, you know, do what's right for the, the company and the brand.
0: Laura, we're we're running out of time here, but I wanted to ask you as well. Final question is, any final advice you could give executives who are contemplating re- rebranding their company?
1: Well, absolutely. They gotta they gotta go out and buy my new book, Visual Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, you know, really, you need to understand the, the principles and the fundamentals. And I think, um, you know, this book is, is a great starting point for, for people to understand. So when they do go ahead and, and you know, hire a branding or identity uh, firm to, to work with them on, on creating a visual hammer, that, that they'll understand the principles, that they'll get do the strategy first, work on the the verbal nail, work on something that has a great visual, and they'll have guidelines and parameters for for really developing something that's a strong, powerful visual hammer for their company. Not something that looks pretty. Looks pretty is not necessarily very effective. You want something that's a strong visual hammer.
0: If listeners have... Any questions of you? How could they best reach you? Well,
1: is yeah, like to... I said, um, you know, our website is easy. It's reese. dot com, and that's R I E S. And on it, uh, there's all sorts of ways to contact me, and my Twitter feed, and uh, blog, and Facebook. Uh, and as well, on there, you can find links to to get to the Visual Hammer book that's going to be out, uh, or if it's not already, uh, and that will be as well at the Amazon store, as well as with Apple uh, in the iBooks.
0: Door. Well, Laura, thanks for being a guest on Branding Business. That concludes our show for today. This is Ryan Ricas, and you've been listening to another edition of Branding Business with Ricas Baird. If you'd like to listen to past shows or read our blog series, visit brandingbusiness.com. Until our next show, stay focused. You've been listening to Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. To hear more, simply visit our website, brandingbusiness.com, or tune in next week to learn how you, too, can build your brand and move your business forward. Brought to you by Ricus Baird.